Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. Hey, I'm Jordan. I'll be reading the scripture today. We'll be in 1 Peter chapter 2, 4-12. As you come, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, a chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The corner of builder rejected, the builders rejected, has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they, do, they disobey, but as the words were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who call you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against you and your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see, you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Awesome. Morning. So we're in the middle of a series, as Brad said, and the goal of this series is to help us, Hill City Church, understand our next steps and where we're going as a church and a body. I gave you all the numbers last week of kind of where we are, and if you're a guest, we're right in the middle of, of a launching an initiative to, in the next few years, Lord willing, us be in a permanent location that's ours, called For the City Center, a facility that's for our church and for the city. Okay, I told you last week, the whole project that we'll be embarking in over the next few years is four to five million dollars, somewhere in that range. It's a big goal, big thing for us as a church. We're going to take that one step at a time. The first step between now and December, our goal is to raise among us $300,000 to clear the land on that property. There, there's some buildings that have to go. So we're asking us, Hill City, now if you're a guest, we're not asking you, but if you are part of Hill City Church, we're asking us together adults, students, youth, all of us, to give above and beyond our normal tithe and offering between now and December to reach our goal. And so our goal is $300,000 to reach that. When you leave today, Brad said you'll get some cards to invite people to Easter. You'll also get this card. It's forward. That's the name of this initiative that we're doing. On the back, it's a commitment card. We're going to ask you to take this and pray over it. And then in three weeks, we're going to have a Sunday where we bring these back and we invite you to come and make a commitment what you'll give in 2019 towards this vision. We're going to ask you to be specific on that. And so you'll see in here, it's I commit, I'm going to give one time. So maybe it's like, hey, I'm going to give one time gift over the next few months kind of towards this. Some of us um, don't have this big old bank account. We can just write this big old fat check. We're going to give monthly. That's what my wife and I are going to do. We're going to give every month toward this vision. You can say that. Some of you can give weekly. There's also a box where you say other. Here's an example of that. Uh, one of our, our people in our church is a realtor, okay? And she was saying, she said, I, I work on commission, 
and we live off my husband's salary and some mine's extra. She said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take all of my commissions um, between now and December, and I'm going to give half of that commission to this initiative. So she can't say exactly what that number is. That's the other part. You can kind of share that. Then there's a commitment here that says, I will commit to serve one time in the city. So we told you we're going to raise $300,000. That's our goal. But along with that $300,000, we want 300 of our people to serve in the city at some point in December so that we are not just a church that's about a building. We're actually for the mission. We're going to help us do that. So we're going to challenge you, if you're part of Hill City Church, one time between now and Christmas to serve in the city sometime. I'll talk more about that in two weeks on what that looks like for you. Okay, you're going to get this as you leave. My challenge, you pray over it. You ask the Lord, what, what would you have me to give? And then in a few weeks, we'll bring these commitment cards and we'll commit as a congregation. And then in a few weeks, we'll be able to say, hey, here's where our commitments are. And we'll kind of know what, what we're going to do together. Sound good? Okay, just to make sure that you're still here. Get me sassy from the very beginning today. All right, let's go. Come on, you guys got to help me this morning. So, For the Joy is the name of the series. Last week, we told you that for the joy, God calls us to live for his glory. Here's week two. For the joy, God gives us the church. This sermon is a sermon about the local church. Uh, my goal this morning... It's to stir your affection for the local church. That's my goal. So Jesus comes. We've been studying Jesus in the book of Luke, and he lives with his disciples, lives with his people, and he shows them who God is, shows them what the kingdom is like, and then he, he gathers these believers. There's one moment he says, hey, to, to these believers, who does everyone say I am? And they said some things, and he says, who do you say I am? And there's this moment where Peter, in this like spirit-filled, bold proclamation, says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And then Jesus looks at him and says, okay, Peter, upon this rock, upon this confession, I will build my church. Jesus announces that he has come to bring in the kingdom, and what that kingdom now looks like is not just a nation, Israel, but it's now a church. And he commissions these disciples to go make disciples. And so these disciples spread across the globe, and they start preaching the gospel wherever they go. So Paul goes to Corinth, and he preaches the gospel, and as people respond, what does he do? He organizes these people into a community called a church. And then Peter goes here, and he organizes these people in a church, and Paul travels all over the place. And so what happens over a few years is around this area of the Middle East, all these churches start to pop up, of communities of believers brought together under the name of Christ. And then over the next few years, these churches actually begin to send out more people to start new churches and new churches. And over the years, Christianity spreads. And that's why you are here. Because one day, someone started a church in Springfield, Missouri. And that church started more churches and started more churches. And here, Hill City Church is. For the joy of believers for God's glory, Jesus installed the church when he came. And we believe that Hill City, the church, is the main vessel in which God will magnify his glory in the world. You didn't, I missed it. I missed it. It wasn't strong enough. All right, let me try it one more time because you didn't say anything. The church is the main vessel in which God will magnify his glory on the earth. That's what we believe at Hill City. We are passionate about that. 
We are pro-church here. Now, when we use the word church, there's church universal. That includes any body of believers in the world. So seven hours ago, six or seven, whichever it is now, Giacomo and his church in Italy gathered together as a body of believers to proclaim the good news of the gospel. They did that. We are connected to them. We are connected to any church that is a gospel-centered church that preaches the gospel. That is what we call church universal. All the churches across the globe, God looks at as one big family, one big church of believers. But then we also have church local, which is a local congregation. That's us, a local body of believers that come together for worship, for prayer, for reading the scripture, for baptism, for communion. And that's church local. And we believe that church local and church universal are what God uses to magnify his glory on the earth. Here's the, the reality today. I want to stir your affection for the church. That's my goal. I want to stir your affection for the local church. Now, whether that's Hill City or whether that's another local church, I want to stir your affection from that. My goal this morning is not guilt. That would be anti-gospel. My goal is that you are compelled this morning. Hey, if you're a guest here, um, we're glad you're here. I love that you're here. Um, I'm going to be pretty passionate today. I'm going to say some bold things today. It's in love. you got to know me. It's in love. Because there are many approaches to the church, right? I've heard this. Well, I can be a Christian without the church. That's unbiblical. And we're going to look at that today. Never in the design of God are you supposed to be a believer just like me and Jesus. It's not the call. There's also an approach to church, especially in the Midwest, that we treat church as a hobby, and I become a spectator, not a participant. Right? So you go watch uh, these football guys play football on a Saturday. You're a spectator. You don't want to be a participant there. You'll get destroyed, right? When you come to church, you are never called to be a spectator. You're not. You're called to participate in the body. We'll talk about what that looks like. You're never called to go to church. Never see that in the Bible. Hey, go to church. No, you are the church. You're called to belong, to be the church. Now, now there's also this, this thing that happens, again, especially here where there's churches everywhere. Okay, now you go to Perugia, Italy, like you can't hop different churches because there aren't any, like one or two. But here, you probably drove, drove by 10 churches on your way in this morning. And here's what happens in the Midwest in the Bible is, is what's called church hopping, right? And that is, I go to one church for a while, and then eh, I, I go to this church, and now I'm now going to here. And, and it becomes, what church? Well, I used to go there, but now I go here. I'm going to challenge that. As a matter of fact, it's so interesting. We talk to people that are new to our church, and hey, what church you go to? Well, I went there, but I left that because of this. Here's what I note in the back of my head. Again, this may sound harsh. I love you. Whatever you left this church for will probably be the reason you leave this church for. Love you, I promise. Or there's this phrase, I'm church shopping. I hate that phrase. Because when I go shopping, what am I? A consumer. I go shopping for a new pair of shoes. You don't go shopping for a church. Now, I'm not saying there's not a time. You move to a city 
where you go to a few churches and kind of figure out, Lord, where have you called me? But this idea, I shop for a church to see, man, which church do I like their music and their teaching? And all? No. Here's what I love to hear. I am looking for a church where I can go and serve and plug in and give my life for, not consume. Now, if you're new to our church, you're like, holy cow, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We are. We love you. Even if you came from another church, like, we love you. We want to walk with you. And I'm not going to say, like, if you're here for the first time, come down, we're going to drink some Kool-Aid, and you're going to enter out. That's not the intention this morning. Okay? Because I do think there's actually a time, there's a healthy time where you come to a new church, and you're like, okay, I need to pray about, is this what the Lord has me? And we don't want to pressure you into that. As a matter of fact, some of you have been here a few months and you've kind of been like a fly on the wall. And here's the reality. I like that. I do. Right? Same thing like we have a lot of young people here. If they go on a date for the first time and they come back from the day, oh my gosh, I'm, he was just so great. I'm just gonna, he's, he's my man of my dreams. I'm like, yep, give it six weeks. I don't want you to make an emotional decision because you come one time and thought the music was cool. I want you to wrestle through, is this where God has me? Because we have a high view of church here. Now, do I love you? I do. Some of you have been flies on the wall now for months and months and months and months and year or two. And at some point, flies got to land. Again, I love you. If you are looking for a church just to come and sit in, every once in a while. Hill City is probably not for you because we will offend you because we're going to call you to more. Part of that's for our protection, like we want to protect this body. Part of that's for your protection. We want to protect you. You're not called to come and sit in a church. So here's my challenge for some of you this morning. You've been coming for a long time. My challenge is you make a decision. There's a phrase I want to use, but I won't. I'll, I'll say it a little more classier. It's either defecate or remove yourself from the commode. It's that time for some of you. And I don't apologize in saying that because we believe that for our joy, God gave the local church. And God loves the church and he's called us to love the church and give ourselves for the church. Let's jump in. First Peter chapter two, I'll try to unpack this. And is it a little long today? I apologize, but not really, because we have some important stuff to cover. 1 Peter 2, 4, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So, so Peter's going to build an analogy here, and so we have to see this at the first. He says, as you come to him, the him is Jesus, and he calls Jesus a living stone. And then later on in this passage, he quotes some stuff from the Old Testament that talks about that God's going to bring this stone to Zion, to Jerusalem, and lay this stone there. And so Peter builds on this and says, okay, Jesus is this stone that came to Jerusalem. He was killed in Jerusalem, but that stone, he wasn't just killed, he arose in new life. And this stone is now this living stone, Jesus, and he is this precious living cornerstone that all of the foundation of what is to come is built upon. That's what he wants us to see. So he calls Jesus this precious chosen stone. And then in chapter 5, or verse 5, he says this, and you yourselves, like living stones, we'll come back to that in a second, 
are being built up as a spiritual house. Here we go. To be a holy priesthood, to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, I know none of us are Jewish folks that lived before Jesus came, but if you were, what was the place that you would go to meet with God? What was it? It was the temple. At the temple, they would offer sacrifices to intercede between you and God. And so Peter's giving this analogy. I want you to look at some of the words he uses here. A holy priesthood to offer sacrifices. So again, here's what would happen. If you're a Jewish believer before Christ comes, once a year you would go to the temple. At the temple you would see the priest. And he was your connection to God. It was through him that you related to God. And he would take um, a sacrifice once a year and he would go behind a curtain. There was a curtain that separated you from what happened behind this curtain. By the way, many of you wouldn't even been allowed into the temple. You'd have been on the outside of the temple. That had a whole other communication of what that meant for you. But if you were allowed on the inside, you would see this priest go behind the curtain to offer a sacrifice. And that was the center of your faith. And now he's writing to this church, and he says this, no longer is there a temple. No longer is there a sacrifice. There's something more going on here. Jump down to verse 9. He says this, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Now again, these words may not mean a ton for us, but if you're in this first century where you're hearing these words, when you hear chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for his own possession. You know what you think about? Israel. The nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, in Exodus, when God brings the children of Israel out, he sets a covenant with them. Listen to the words. This is Exodus 19, verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and, and my covenant, here we go. You shall be a treasure possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, these are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Same wording. Same wording. C can you imagine what this looked like in this day, right? You, first of all, for Jewish believers, you're like, man, this whole, like I used to come to the temple and offer this sacrifice, but now I'm being told that I am the temple. And then there's no more, longer a need for sacrifice. And even the pagan religion looked in, like all the religions then had temples and priests and sacrifices. Can you imagine a, a pagan worshiper coming to a New Testament Christian like, hey, what's your, what's your religion? Well, I'm a Christian. Okay, well, where's your temple? Well, we don't have one. Actually, Jesus came as the better temple, the better tabernacle. And now, as a matter of fact, Jesus says that we are temples. Okay, well, where's your priest? Well, we don't have one. Because Jesus was the ultimate high priest. As a matter of fact, now Jesus says that we're all priests. Well, where's your sacrifice? Well, we don't have one. Jesus was the sacrifice for all time. We have Jesus, and now he tells us to give our lives as this spiritual sacrifice. Here's what Peter's doing. He's using Old Testament language to communicate some things to this new church. And that is, just as Israel was God's 
vessel to bring redemption to the world, now the church is. Just as the temple was a place where God's glory dwelt, now the church is. That when we as believers gather together in community, that there's something deep that happens here, and I don't know if I can even explain this. I've been trying to study this for weeks to wrap my head around this. But as we come together, God's spirit, God's glory dwells in a way that's bigger than just you and I. Okay? Like, the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. And I believe when you go read the scripture on Wednesday night, this week, the Holy Spirit is there helping you understand the word. But here's, I believe, what Peter is teaching us. That when we come together as a believer, something deeper happens. There's a way to experience God, to see his glory and empowering the spirit that is, is bigger than you alone. I'd have to teach like three sermons on this. I don't have time to really get into this. Here's what Tim Keller said. He says, the glory of God is available to you in the church in a way that is not otherwise available to you. So when someone says, I don't need a church, I think Peter would say, no, you're wrong. Because the church has deep implications. And that God has gifted the church and his glory resides in the church in a way that's different than just you by yourself. Let's go on. Again, I can, I'd have to really sit there and unpack that. I don't have time today. We'll come back to that another time. Verse 5. So he gives us this image of, of this cornerstone Christ. And we brought together that we're now, the church is this new Israel, God's plan to, to redeem the world. Here's what he says. And you yourselves... Like living stones. Now, you see where it says you yourselves. Oftentimes we read that in an individual thing. Oh, me, myself. Here's the problem. When the writers wrote these words, when Peter wrote these words, he was not thinking of you. He wasn't even thinking of one person in that time. Who was he thinking of? We. So when, when you're reading the Bible and you see words like you, you got to remember, you. it's like me saying, hey, you, who am I talking to? All of you. Okay, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. That's what he says. So here's, here's the analogy, the metaphor he uses. You have Christ as this living cornerstone, the hope of the world, who establishes his church. And then he says, now you, individual believers, you're like a stone, like a brick. And you are this living brick. You are created in Christ. You're alive in Christ. You're this brick. And the Lord has chiseled you. Anyone been there? It hurt a little bit. He's making me into who he wants me to be. And now you're this brick put onto this living stone. And he says, these stones are being built up into a spiritual house. Okay, so question. Who is the brick? Help me. You are. Who is the house? us. So you're not the brick and the house. You're a brick laid on the foundation of Christ as part of a house. Do you see the image he wants you to see? You see the metaphor that Jesus, the cornerstone, were these bricks laid together, which means this. We are dependent on one another. The Christian life is not meant for you and Jesus. It's you and us and Jesus. We are bricks together, built together in a house. We are dependent on one another. 
Here's the reality. I need you to help me experience all of who God is. I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your perspective. Because here's the reality. I approach and read the Bible as a middle-aged white dude. And I need perspective of someone that's not a middle-aged white dude. I need your perspective. I need your challenge. As I form ideas on what I believe the Scripture is saying, I need some of you to say, well, wait, wait a second, what about this? Oh, my gosh, I've never, yeah. That's why the Psalms are so rich. Have you ever read the Psalms? Because here's the reality. In the Psalms, I learn about God through other believers. Like, here's the reality. I've never cheated on my wife and then killed the person's husband who I cheated on. But David did. And I can go read a prayer of David of crying out to God in the midst of what he had done. And that can stir my affection to love my wife as Christ loved the church. We are dependent on one another. In our church, um, he's, a, he's actually moved on. He was, a, he was a football coach at Missouri State for a year or two. Jason Ray, um, many of you got to know him. Uh, he, he's actually a, a coach at K-State now, assistant uh, football coach there. The time he was in our church, he like plugged in deeply to our church. And that man taught me a ton about faith and about a new perspective. Because Jason's, Jason's a, a black guy that grew up in a different context that I did. I'll, I'll never forget, never forget sitting over at Scotch and Soda one night with him and Rich Perez, our church planner in New York, talking. And we're just talking about faith and life. And at that point, the Black Panther had come out, the superhero movie. You guys watch that? And here's my perspective. I'm like, great, another superhero movie. I don't like any of them. Jason said this, Daniel, you will never know what it means to a young black boy to finally have a superhero that he looks like. Mind blown. And Jason loving patience taught me what it means to be a Christian. Like Jason rebuked some of us for saying um, things to him. Like I could never see, or you know, you're so different than me. He's like, no, I'm not. Yeah, I have a different environment, but what the same. It was so good for me. My city group and I lead, Emily and I lead at our house. It's full of um, some people that are just kind of getting out of college, out of college, Young, young singles, young married, some are engaged, and I'm the leader of this thing, they teach me so much. So a few weeks ago, I got to hear one of our, our single girls going to be married soon just talking about how she's learning how to give and tithe and give generously and how that is a fight for her, how every time she goes to put money in the box, she's like, I just want to squeeze so tight and I have to make myself let go. That encouraged me that I want to squeeze so tight to things, and I've got to learn to let go. Here, one of our young, uh, young men in my city group, he's newly married, talk about how he started to open up to his wife about things he's dealing with, and his wife is loving him in the midst of that. He thought she, he, she would reject him, but now she's welcoming him. It's like making their relationship deep, and I heard that, and I was like, I've got to keep being open with my wife. I am dependent on you. Friday night, right up in our, in our facility, third floor, um, I wish you guys could have seen it. We'll, and we'll try to put some pictures up this week on our Hill City Uncut. We had over 100 dudes up there 
not an event through our church, but someone in our church leading them. And these dudes are dudes that would not normally come here on Sunday. Okay? Tattoos, piercings, it was, it was crazy, and I loved every second of it. And Caleb, who's right back in the back, is pouring his heart into these dudes. He is sacrificing his life for him. And here's what you teach me, brother. You teach me that there ain't no guy that's beyond the grace of God. And it's awesome. And not only that, I get to learn about a mother who's sitting beside him who has been praying for her son for years that God will get him a hold of his heart and God is doing that. And I get to see the faithfulness of mom that does not stop praying for her son. I need you. We need one another. We're bricks laid together into this house that God is making called his church. Romans 12, Paul says it like this, for in one body we have many members. And these members, do not, do not, we don't have the same function. We're different. We have different gifts. But look what he says. So we, though many, are, what is it? What are we? We're one. We're one body in Christ and individual members of it. So he's like, yeah, we're individuals that have different gifts and abilities and talents, but together we are one. You are a brick, stone made alive in Christ who's meant to be in communion with other stones. We cannot separate the church from your Christian life. We cannot do it. Be cautious to minimize the church. It is the bride of Christ who he died for. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The church is the bride of Christ. Be careful to talk about, minimize the church. See, Peter's writing to these believers, and he wants them to see that these bricks that God is building, this local body, are interdependent on one another. They need one another. And that us, you, being part of a local body will help you become alive in Christ more than you just doing things on your own or with a few friends doing whatever, meeting for happy hour once in a while, talking about Jesus. That we're built together. So here's what happens a lot in, in churches, ours, every church, is people get upset, or we do something, the music, they don't like the music, like, like something I say, you go to a city group, and uh, I didn't connect there, and so what happens is, people get mad, and they leave so quick, and they just leave, and, well, I'll just go to another church, I don't like this, here, I'll go to another church. Let me challenge you on that. Here's why, when you just constantly hop to a different church because you don't like something, you are avoiding any type of confrontation. And it may be that confrontation that God wants to use to sanctify you. Like maybe the best thing for you is you be in a city group that you don't mesh with. And you have to learn how to love someone that's different than you. Maybe the best thing for you is to be in, in a church where you're challenged sometimes or you don't always like the music and you have to learn, you know what? Other people like different music. That may be really good for you. Or this happens like some people will say, well, I'm, I'm going to leave the church because I don't like this. And whatever this is, often, I don't like this either. And instead of just leaving, well, I don't like this, here's what I'd love to say, well, okay, me neither. Help us do this better. Are you hearing me? You are a gift to the church, to a local body. We are brought together to build one another up. 
May we quit thinking of our Christian life as me and Jesus. May we think of our Christian life as me and us and Jesus. The passage we looked at last week, Hebrews 12, 1. I want you to notice the wording here. Therefore, since I... Oh, no. Help me. Therefore, since are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let... Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us (laughs) run with endurance. The race that is set before, we are in this together. You need a local body of believers to be what God has you to be. At Hill City, we will fight for the us. We'll be passionate about the us. No one of us is bigger than the collection of us, including me, including Brad, anyone else. No one of us is like the king. Jesus is the king. We need one another. For our joy, Jesus gave us the church. For our joy and his glory. Which sounds great, but this is hard in practice. So I'll use a word you'll make fun of me for. Here's my tension. How do we promote and share and welcome people from the outside to be part of our church? Even unbelievers to come and belong a little bit even before they believe, yet hold this conviction that the church is a body of believers. That's tough. It's tough to work those things out. We wrestle through that. How do we grow really deep together yet be open and hospitable to new people that come in. It's difficult. We wrestle through this at Hill City. So if you've come to Hill City recently, um, let's say you started coming in the past month or two and you said, hey, I want to get into a city group. Here's what you were probably told. Well, you may have to wait a little bit. And so philosophically, we may be wrong about this, but philosophically for us, we hold... This view of community and church hides. So here's what we say. If there's an existing city group that's going, we start them in, in the fall and the spring. Once they start, they are closed as far as us having a new person come and, and throw them in a city group. Now, that doesn't mean if a city group can't invite people to come and be part of their group. Why do we do that? Well, there's a few reasons. Number one, what, what shows is when people just come to a church and say, hey, I want to be in a group, and we just assign them to a random group that's already going. The, the national statistic is about 13% of those people actually stick in that group, so it doesn't really work. But number two, for us to grow deep in community, if there's people always hopping in and out and in and out, it disrupts that. So we do city groups, we launch them in the fall, we launch them in the spring. So again, this fall, there's a chance to jump into a city group. We're going to challenge you to do that as a way you can plug and connect. Okay, so this high view of church, we believe in it, but how we function, how we act out of that, it's tough. Like, here's another question we wrestle with all the time. Like, how do we give space for some of you who maybe have been wounded in a church? Maybe when you think of church, you're like, I don't want any part of that, because I've been through that before. And I'm sorry. And I'll just tell you, you may be hurt here. Because where you have a church, you have people. Where you have people, you have sin. So how do we give space for that? How do we give space for those of you that are new and want to check things out, yet lovingly call you to connect? It's tough. 
So here's some things we have at Hill City in place to help you. You hear us talk about Hill City 101. We do that once a month. If you're, if you're new here, this is, this is what Hill City 101, it's a chance for you to come and just hear the vision of our church and decide, is this what God has for me? Brad always says the phrase, come to Hill City 101, it's a chance to look underneath our hood, which I always feel really uncomfortable when he says that. <laughs> but it's a chance for you to just hear who we're about. If you've been coming for a few months, my challenge for you is you go to the next Hill City 101. You can register on our website. Go to events. You'll find the next one. Register for it. And ask the Lord to tell you, is this where you have for me? This high view of church is why we do covenant membership here. So if you'll know at the end of gatherings, we don't say, hey, come down in front if you want to join our church. Hey, welcome to the family, brother. We don't do that. Because we want to make sure, do our best we can, that people that come to be a part of our church and membership are actually covenant, covenanting to something. So if you want to be a member of our church, here's what you're covenanting to. You're covenanting to, to live a life to, per, to pursue Christ. Doesn't mean you're perfect. We're struggling through this together, but it means I'm living a life of repentance, which here's what that means. If you're a member of Hill City Church, I'm a tender if you're a member, and you're married and you have two girlfriends on the side, one of the elders is going to come to you and call you to repent. If you don't repent, we're going to remove you from fellowship from our church. We love you enough to do that. So if you're a covenant member, you're calling to, saying, I'm going to live a life towards repentance. Here's what you're doing if you're a Hill City Church covenant member. You're saying, I'm going to covenant to give financially to this church. We're going to call you to give to a minimum of 10%. We're not going to, make, we're not going to ask for your W-2s or anything like that. We're going to call, challenge you to work towards that. We'll talk about that next week. And we're going to challenge you to serve somewhere in the church or in the city, to have a life of servanthood. Some of you have been in our church for a while, and now it's time for you to jump into covenant membership, because this is where you belong. This is where you want to be. The way you do that, go to our website, click on Connect, and Covenant Membership, and that starts the process. There's a little form you fill out. If you get after, like, a new covenant member class coming just a few weeks, you might be able to get in on that one if you get the process going today. Some of you need to do that. I'm calling you to that. Okay, some of you have been coming. Maybe you're a covenant member, maybe you're not. You're not serving here. Here's a great opportunity for you to serve. May 5th, it's coming up in a few Sundays, we're going to have a serve fair, which is an opportunity for you to say, where can I serve in our church? And all of our ministry team leaders are going to be out in the lobby. We're going to help you connect to serve somewhere in our church. That's May 5th. I'm going to call some of you to do that. What does it look like for you to love the church as Christ loves the church? The challenge this morning is to stir your affections for the church. Now, something coming up called summer. Okay? Here's what happens at summer. Obviously, a bunch of you all head home or head to different places, and we love you, and we want you back when you get back in the fall. Some of us are here. And here's what happens over some summer. Sometimes it's like we'll have 300 people at church. Sometimes there's 700 people at church. Sometimes there's 120 people at church. Here's my challenge for you. My challenge is don't disconnect over the summer. You don't need to go to the lake every single weekend. Now, I'm not dogmatic. I'm not saying don't go to grandma's house and go on a vacation with family. Do those things. But I'm going to challenge you to not let summer just be like, yeah, hey, we'll see you in August that you start to make church, the local body of believers, a priority in your life. Um, 
Statistics is about 70% of the kids that grow up in our church, in churches in America, will walk away to their faith when they go to college. Many of you did that. 70% of kids that grow up in church walk away from their faith when they go to college. Now, why is that? Partially, kids make their own decisions. Parents, you hear? Kids make their own decisions. Here's a big part of it, I believe. I believe many of these kids grow up in a home where they go to church eh, every other two or three weeks. And the rest of the time, they're at the lake, and they're here, and there's sports teams that travel all over the place. And here's what they learn, that it's not a priority. So then we go to college, and they're on their own, they're like, it's not a priority. And it takes about two weeks for them to get in the wrong crowd. Parents, I'm going to challenge you. Be committed. And again, I'm not saying we're taking role and you have to be every, sun, every single Sunday. I'm going to challenge you to be faithful to the church. So I saw this happen um, firsthand. My sister uh, obviously grew up in the same home I did. She's a few years younger than me. Uh, she went to C of O in Branson, and I got her permission to tell this story. And the first year or two she went in college, she kind of left the church and, and kind of did her own thing for a while. Um, and it was really cool. She, she was doing that in, in the party scene and kind of and then met a guy who had also left the church and had kind of done his own thing. And they start to kind of be friends. And about that same time in both their life, God starts to draw them to himself. So they begin dating with both of them kind of being, whether new Christians or new to their faith, they're just taking it serious. And so, so together, down in Branson, they plugged into church in Forsyth. And they started attending there. And I remember when they first started talking, they're like, man, this church is so cool. Like, it's all kinds of families and young people. It's like this really cool thing. We love the teaching and the music. And so they were going for a few weeks, a few months. Then I happened to be with them one weekend and went to church with them on a Sunday. And that Sunday, they did something kind of like our Hill City 101. It was after church. And the pastor got up and said, hey, if you've been coming to this church for a while and you would like to plug in, we're going to invite you to come to this meeting right afterwards where we can talk about our church. And I remember Amy looked at me and she said, hey, do you mind if we go to that? I was like, no. So I went with them. I still remember sitting in there. It's their Hill City 101. Kind of heard their vision for their church. From that point on, Amy and Colin started taking steps. They started serving the church and became members of the church. And what I started to see over the next few months is we would be like home for a weekend or somewhere on a weekend, and they would leave late Saturday night to drive back so that they could be there on Sunday. They want to be part of their community. Or they would get up really early in the morning on Sunday and drive back because they want to be part of our community. And the Lord, I talked to her this week about it. She said, God just started to make us fall in love with our church, with the people there. And then over the years, he becomes a small group leader, they did. Now he's an elder at their church. She's on staff as their kids minister. And I saw this beautiful picture of going to a church, kind of to be consumers, but the Lord drawing them in and now working their life in big ways. My prayer is that's you. That you not just disconnect and come every once in a while, that you plug in and grow and love this church. Here's what we're going to do this summer. We're going to try to help you with this. So I realize summer, we travel. We're going to do one gathering in the summer. It'll be 10 o'clock on Sundays, starting Memorial Day weekend, one gathering for the whole summer. However, on Wednesday nights, we're going to do a midweek gathering. The goal of that is those of you that do travel or have to travel on a weekend that you can still be plugged into our church. And so Wednesday nights, we're going to do a gathering at the second floor of the Galois. 
right here, same message, all that, to help you continue to be plugged in. Okay? So Peter's writing these believers. He's calling them to have this picture of the church that's this, that's this representation of how Jesus feels about his church. And look at the end of verse 9. So as they come together, what's their goal? He says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. So he brings these bricks together, puts them into a house, and the purpose is that they would love one another and love the world and proclaim the goodness of God, that they would live for the glory of God. That's why he brings them together. So our vision statement at Hill City says this, we exist to glorify God, because we believe that's our chief purpose. How? By making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city. And so you've heard this, for the city, like a big part of this vision is our, our city, bringing the gospel to our city. And the world. Now, we haven't talked about the world a whole lot yet. Just, you know, there's a reason for that in just a second. But when we talk about taking the gospel to the world, here's what we mean by that. Church planting. We believe the church is God's vessel to reach the world. Our goal as we begin to mature as a church is to start new churches. Okay, let me, let me give this example. So um, when we first launched Hill City Church two and a half years ago, our goal was to stay alive. That was our goal. We were, we were an infant, a baby church. The goal of any baby is stay alive. Okay? Uh, and we pooped all over ourselves, and it, it, it was really messy, but by golly, we're here. <laughs> we're here. And for two and a half years old, we're a church that's self-supporting. I mean, it's cool things God's done. We've reached past infant stage, baby stage. Praise God. Now, with human babies, God does not physically allow babies to reproduce. They can't. And for a new baby church, the worst thing we could do is reproduce and start a new church. We don't even know who we are yet. But then as we develop, it's kind of like a baby developing into a teenager. And so now as a church, we're kind of like a teenager, which means we look funny. We have some pimples that we have to pop here and there. Um, our voice cracks a little bit. Like we're working things out. It's beautiful. And we're growing. Now, here's the reality. Teenagers can reproduce physically. It's just not a good idea. Okay? Got agreed, parents? <laughs> yes, I'm like, praise God. Hey, that's the stage we're in. And we're growing and we're developing process. We're getting our foundation. It's still unhealthy for us to reproduce yet. But over the next two to three years, as we become more stable and we grow kind of into adulthood as a church, our goal is to begin reproducing new churches, new congregations. That's part of our vision. Some of you, we hope to be sending in the next few years to go plant a church somewhere, to go be part of a church plant somewhere. Here's what Tim Keller says, second time I quoted him today. He says this, the vigorous, continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy, the best strategy for numerical growth of the body of Christ in any city. God's vessel to bless the world is the local church. Here's what he says. Nothing else, not crusades, not outreach programs, not parachurch ministries, not growing megachurches, will have the consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church planting. Our goal is not to become a bigger, 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 bigger church. Our goal is as we become mature to start new churches. 
part of our vision. And Tim Keller will say, he's a, he's a leader of a church in New York, big influence in the kingdom of God. He will say there's no other thing that's better than planting new churches. Now, college students, I'm going to talk to you for a second. Adults, hang with me here. I love you. Remember? Am I for you? Okay. <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's like your parents, it's going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. No. I'm for you. And I'm for campus ministries. I love that we have students that are part of all these different campus ministries on campuses here. Campus ministries do good in reaching people. If your primary source of community is your campus ministry, for this window of time, I would even say that's good. That's great. But here's where I'm going to challenge you. Your campus ministry is not a church. It's not. And while you're part of a campus ministry, my challenge is that you not just to go attend a church. Because I don't believe in Scripture that's what God has for you. I'm going to challenge you that while you're part of your campus ministry, you plug in deeply to a church. And you get to know adults, and you serve, and you give to the local church. Because the local church is God's vessel to bless the world. This morning, I always work upstairs in the morning when I get here, kind of looking over my sermon. I was coming downstairs to get come to the nine o'clock and I looked in the big room up there and our, all of our teachers were gathered and Emily Majors um, was one of our, our uh, coordinators and she was talking to all the kids volunteers going to be teaching the kids last hour up there. And there was a beautiful picture. Here's what I saw. Half the room, adults, parents, the other half, college students, high school students. It was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. College students love the church. Okay, I'm going to say a strong statement. If anyone in your campus ministry tells you that you being connected to and serving in a local church will minimize your impact on campus, that is unbiblical. The best thing you can do for students on your campus is get them plugged into a local church. The best thing. Why? There's a couple of reasons. Number one, guess what's not in campus ministries? Adults. And you all give each other really bad advice sometimes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. It would be like this. It would be like in a few years, my daughter Erin, who's going to be 16, in a few years, she comes to me and says, Dad, I need to learn how to drive. I'm like, okay, go find one of your friends who's been driving for a month, and they'll teach you. No. Who's going to teach her? I am. Because I've made those mistakes when I was 16. Right? College students, you don't need a bunch of peers teaching you everything about your faith. You need adults pouring into you. Okay, here's a commitment I'm going to make to college students this morning. So we, we are rebooting how we do college ministry here. Because we've been a baby church, we've just now becoming teenagers, our college focus has been about right down here. Because we just have had the bandwidth to really get after it. But it's cool because the Lord's brought you. Here you are. We're getting ready to take it from here to here. Okay? Here's what we believe. Thank you for that. We believe if we are for the city, we are for the university. 20% of Springfield is university students. If we're going to reach this city, we're going to reach university. And we're going to go hard after it. Okay? Here's my commitment to college students. I'm talking to you right now. So right now, we have leadership applications out. They're on our HCU Facebook page. You can come down and talk to me afterwards. I'll tell you how to get to it. I'm going to challenge some of you to step into leadership on, with our college students. 
Here's our commitment. We're going to change how we do it. If you are on leadership next year, here's my commitment to you. You will have an adult from our church pouring into you and investing in you, meeting every single week. We are going to invest in our students who are going to reach other students, help you connect to adults. That's my commitment to you. I'm going to challenge some of you. It's time to not just come to Hill City, but to step in and love and lead at Hill City and learn how to lead. Okay? So the reason I'm going to challenge you to be part of a church is there's adults here. Here's the second thing, the second reason. If you reach someone on your campus for Christ, sorry, adults, I'm talking to them, but many of you are going to have kids that are going to be right there soon. You guys with me still? Okay. Because we're for, we're for you guys. You reach someone on your campus who doesn't know Christ, and you start discipling them. Awesome. It's so beautiful. But if all they know is their campus ministry and they don't get connected to a church, here's what happens so often, is they go to that campus ministry for two or three years and they graduate, and guess what's not around anymore? What? Campus ministry. And so now they're like, well, I don't have this, whatever this was. And now they try to make a connection to a church. Well, here's the reality. Every church in America feels different than your campus ministry. Because in the church, there's adults. And there are babies, and there's multi-generation. And so, and I've seen this happen to kids in my, in my years in college ministry. They don't plug into a church in college. They get out of college, and they say, well, this doesn't feel like it. And many of them drift away from church and become disassociated. College students, I challenge you, before the bride of Christ, the local church, if it's not Hill City, it's okay. Before a church, plug in, love, serve, grow there. We are making a commitment to you to invest in you if you step in on leadership. Okay, let me bring it back and we close. When we talk about this for the city vision, at the center of this for the city vision, what we want to do in the city is what we want to do at Hill City. Because we believe the best thing for our city is healthy gospel-centered churches. And so we are pro-church. We're going to keep learning what it looks like to be pro-church. My challenge to you today, I'm going to ask you, what does the next step look like? What's the next step? Many of you have been coming and attending. That's okay. I'm calling you to plug in and to be part of that house that God is building. Let's close like this, 1 Peter 2.10. Paul bring, or Jesus, Peter brings it back to the gospel. Why? Why do we do this? Why do we plug into church? Because once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Why is Peter calling you to plug into a church? Because Jesus died for the church. You and I once were far off. We have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We are his, and now as his, he brings us into community with one another for our joy and for his glory. May you love the church. May you think highly of the church. May you step into the church. We're messy. We're not perfect. We'll make mistakes. We'll make them together. We'll get up. We'll keep walking together. The best thing we can do for this city is to be for the church and have a healthy, gospel-centered church. We love one another well. I'm calling us to that.